cold open. Yeah. Yes. My opening is cold. <laughs> Unseasonably so. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, you ready to go? I hate this. <laughs> All right. Hi, I'm Cody Dagalorians. And this is Neil Dagalorians. And welcome to another episode of Bearded Fruit. Quarantine edition. Yeah, this is a very special quarantine edition of Bearded Fruit. I know it's been a while since we have um, done no, anything. They don't need to know that. Well, but they <laughs> but they do know that because they've seen it's like, you know, since the Jurassic period, since we've released an episode. Sure, but I podcast. think it's funnier if we don't mention it. <laughs> Just like act like, oh yeah, this is normal. <laughs> We were on season hiatus. Um, this is season six. Yeah, so Each episode is its own season. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, this is a we've now been in quarantine here. We're uh, we're located in Connecticut. For those of you who um, don't know us, sort of outside of just listening to the podcast, and uh, we've been under stay-at-home orders here for uh, I guess a little over a month, I suppose. Some like that, close yeah. to that at least. Um, I know I've been working from home for probably about six weeks because I started a little sooner than some other people in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's been about like a, a month and a half of uh, of the the world forced marital bliss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then you you sort of followed a suit after you guys closed pretty soon after. I think yeah. I think I'm at five weeks mm-hmm. because I think I was, it was only a week. Yeah, probably so. so. Yeah, and so. The, you know, of course, since we're we're here in this uh, in the lovely house, not totally by ourselves, because we also have our dog Ophelia, who um, is our coworker. She's well. our she's the producer. Yeah, she's in the, the produ- in the room right she's now, looking at me, not liking that I'm breaking the fourth wall. Um, so we started, we would uh, we would take this opportunity now that we are home and together, which we aren't usually, uh, to make some more episodes of the podcast, and uh, and this is the first of those, hopefully, whether you like it or not. So what have uh, the stuff that we've been doing uh, a little bit of what we've been doing? I've been continuing to work from home. Uh, luckily and very gratefully, uh, our library is continuing to provide services to people. So I get to do a lot of that from home now digitally. I've been uh, making videos for the first time, which is kind of cool. It's been a fun project to undertake uh, over at the library, and we're continuing to sort of do our thing. Uh, so I still I have a regular work week in my home office, and I have been furloughed by sixty percent. <laughs> So I am working 16 hours a week in the basement, and then I stay down there painting my brains out because that's all I can do. Yay! And you've been making some fun stuff too. Yeah, I've been. I've, I've actually. It's funny because I did that whole literal fire sale thing where I was like, "I'm done with making art objects, and I'm gonna burn everything that doesn't get sold by February 1st." And now I'm stuck here, and I'm like, "I'm making nothing but art objects." I'm just going to make paintings for the rest of my life. Um, but I've been also, <clears throat> but I've been also um, streaming live performances. It started off daily and that was a terrible idea. Um, and so now I'm doing weekly every Fridays at seven 
um, Eastern Daylight Time, 7 p.m., um, doing random little performances on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash neilmakesthings. I'm on brand. Everything is Neil Makes Things. Follow me. Follow me, please. I'm still, I'm still really salty that you have more followers than me on every social media, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Well, clout. Get some clout, boo. <laughs> Fill, fill your life with laughter, love, and clout. I guess clout. Um, so the news, of course, in the world right now is understandably dominated by stories about the coronavirus and what's happening all over the world. So there's less of the like queer people up to some kind of sociopolitical shenanigans that we can talk about for a half hour kind of stuff that we normally talk about. Although there is the a lot of really cool stuff going on in the drag world, but that's there... a whole nother episode that we'll maybe talk about next time. <laughs> in season seven, in 2027. In season seven. <laughs> in may <laughs> right um but so if you know if you, and if you're a regular listener of the podcast you know that's the kind of stuff that we normally talk about like whatever sort of weird shenanigans that queer people are up to that has sort of social and political cultural ramifications um but we are very resourceful queers neil and i and we we speak for yourself <laughs> we're resourceful queers and we did find a thing i found a thing that is um I think a relevant bearded fruit topic and it's something that both queer people and straight folks have been up to uh, for us to talk about. And that is hooking up during quarantine. Don't. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> you hear the, the bearded fruit theme. No. Um, yeah. So people are continuing to hook up during, during quarantine through stay at home orders. And not even like with partners that are living in their homes, like with still randos, yeah. just randos yeah. or, like people are just soliciting for sexual things to happen on on the various apps and whatnot just like hey come on over and and touch my body parts with your body parts that are arousing (laughs) yeah that's terrible don't don't yeah like i've noticed that i mean i i certainly don't um get a whole you know can't relate can't really relate because i don't get a whole lot of like solicitation anymore on the Mm. apps for like hey come on over um uh, usually it's like hey i like your graphic tee in your profile pic Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, which is also very nice please if you find me on the apps please say you like my Mm t-shirt um but I, I like I, I'm also I'm noticing that a ton of people are sort of posting that wherever they are all over the country there's still people who are like hey dude what are you doing you want to like come over for a, a a thing thing a thing thing um, and I I don't know that that just one it just seems like a really bad it seems like a bad idea mm-hmm. it's a bad idea I mean it is a bad idea but also when you think about the gays in general, like we are not adverse to risky situations. So it weirdly makes sense in that, like in that, like it's okay. I'm on prep kind of culture that we live in. Like it weirdly makes sense where it's like, Oh, I don't care. Like I'm young, I'm hung, I'm full of terrible ideas (laughs) and I'm going to invite this person over because I'm not, I'm asymptomatic and they're asymptomatic and, um, Nothing will ever kill me, not even STIs, let alone the coronavirus. So, like, it makes sense from that standpoint, but that doesn't make it any worse of an idea than it, than risky sexual behaviors are in the first place. Yeah, like I, you know, I've been th- when I've been thinking about it, I'm like, you know, granted, like lately I have been sort of like, you know, asexual. Um, angel, I guess, because I that is asexual. One word, not a sexual angel. Correct, correct. Asexual. That's one me. Word, angel. <laughs> 
You're right. You're the three word. I'm the two word. Yes. But like, you know, I, I have certainly like lived long enough and uh, and and been around the, the queer block long enough to have considerably dabbled, dabbled Dab. in uh, in in like random hooking up. And I don't know, like I just feel like like random hooking up on a lot of times is it just kind of feels like I, I, I'm not saying that if, if you're doing it, you're doing something bad. But like, yeah, it's it's. You know, you're you're sort of investing a lot of like danger and risk in a person who's maybe a stranger, maybe maybe someone you really don't know very well, or maybe someone you don't like very well. I feel like if you're gonna do a quarantine hookup, it should at least be with somebody that you you want to spend additional time, maybe watching a movie with or talking to. Like, get get your full, just get your <laughs> right. Like, I think if uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not advocating that you have um, risky hookups during quarantine, but you know, like. I think I would do it for somebody that I would also hang out with mm-hmm. so that it isn't just a hookup. It's also like a hookup and a date, a date, I guess. I don't know. Why are you being aromantic phobic right now? I'm not being aromantic phobic. That was a I joke. Mean, that was, that was I a love joke. aromantic people. That was a joke. But they don't love me but back. But they don't love you back. <laughs> it's an unrequited relationship. Yes. Well, yeah. You know, I think it's just one of the things where it's like, hey, um, Jeffrey, your glory hole is not an essential business. Um, you are not an essential worker. Um, so maybe stop. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe stop. Just for a little bit. Just, you know. For a couple months. Hang out. Netflix and chill with yourself. We we are resourceful after all. Yeah. Us, us, us gays. Us queers. Like, investigate your body. Adi, adi. Yeah. So, we have not been the only people talking or thinking about... Um, about hooking up during the time of quarantine. Uh, someone very special to the country right now has also been thinking and talking about it. Dr. Anthony Fochi has uh, been talking about the apps. So he was on uh, a, a Tuesday, an interview last week, the last Tuesday, on Snapchat's Good Luck America. And... Uh, <laughs> Which is funny. What is this timeline? (laughs) I don't know. It's the weirdest timeline. So toward the end of the segment, what he was asked, uh, here's the question he was asked. If you're swiping on a dating app like Tinder or Bumble or Grindr and you match with someone you think is hot and you're just kind of like, maybe it's fine if this one stranger comes over. What do you say to that person? So here was his response. Now that, you know, that's tough because that's what's called relative risk. But if you're willing to take a risk, and you know, everybody has their own tolerance for risks, you could figure out if you want to meet somebody. If you want to go a little bit more intimate, well, then that's your choice regarding a risk. So he was kind of like saying, yeah, you know, you can weigh your options, as we always do mm-hmm. when you're weighing sort of like meeting up with a, um, a stranger if you're going to do a hookup. Um, and he wasn't, he said, you know, I mean, I guess... He doesn't have a Facebook, but I think I'm going to let him raw dog me. Ah, no, no. But that's like the risk. That's Oh, I thought you were talking about Dr. Fochi, and I was like, that's a very that's a very strange take. Dr. Fochi does not strike me as somebody with a faceless profile. <laughs> he strikes no, me as a very probably. kind, yeah. considerate. No, I think um, the, the problem with that is that there's a level of nuance in his response that everybody's going to ignore, where it's like... The, the actual suggestion should be don't, but there's a level of nuance with his response where it's like, you know, you are a grown ass person. You can make your own grown ass decisions, but like, don't. Yeah. And I think, I think what you're saying is actually, uh, you could, 
look at it in the way it was reported by online media too. So that was his actual answer, which to me seems like a very hedged bet. He's not saying, yes, swipe right and... Suck all the dicks. And I was going to do a rhyme, like swipe right and go all night. But... Um, I mean, but both, I think, apply. Nobody who's swiping also can go all night. <laughs> but what the way it was reported in the media was Dr. Fochi says it's okay to have hookups. I mean, that is the... They took this more nuanced, kind of really hedged bet, thoughtful response to say, I mean, if, you, if you're willing to measure your own risks, then you could go ahead and do it under risky circumstances. It's risky. It's risky. And they were like, go for it, girl. Dr. Fochi, more like Dr. F- Fucky. Um, wow, the 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 media completely lacking in nuance when reporting on something somebody said. Wow, that's a surprise. That never happens. I know. Breaking news, right? So people um, people aren't just looking for hookups during this particular time. Mm-hmm. as well um when i was sort of doing the when i was doing sort of doing the research i guess i could say sort of that you were on the j store you're on I the went... ebsco <laughs> going through the databases looking at the papers from the academic journals on hooking up when i was googling this um what <laughs> when i was clicking hyperlinks and other articles what i found was a really cool story uh that was that was published in the new yorker last uh, sort of mid last month kind of a month before ago right before really quarantine time really was it was a uh, um instituted in new york and other places um in a very serious way and they were reporting that there were some new yorkers that weren't just on the apps looking for hookups they were actually looking for something more uh the new yorker reported that people in the city were heading to craigslist and other apps looking specifically for quarantine romances they were looking for people who would be new to them, who'd be willing to shack up during for the length of quarantine, huddle your resources together, and, you know, see if you can make a thing work. That's very, like, um, like pioneer times, like marriage of convenience, where it's like, oh, my name is Martha, and I'm a single woman, and oh, I'm Joseph, and I want to go west. Well, how about we get married and, and get on a wagon and all that? Like, that's what that feels like to me. And then, you know what happens next? Donner party. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't... I. It doesn't end well. I can't imagine. But also, well you know all. somebody out there. There's a reality TV executive who's currently filming a show about exactly this. There, there's would, gotta be. I'd 100% watch it. <laughs> So the circle quarantine edition. Exactly. So here's um, an example of one of the ads that they shared in the New Yorker. Um, if you hear that sneeze, that's our dog tur. Um, so here's one of the sample Craigslist uh, posts. Um, if it's the end of days, we can at least go satisfied. And if we live through it, then we have an interesting story to share for the rest of our lives. Would love to connect with someone, gather some food, necessities, and hide together. We can get to know each other, have some fun while doing it. Hey, Grandpa, how did you and Grandma meet? Well, kiddo, it was 2020, and the the new flu was taking the world by storm, so I sent your grandma a picture of my penis, and she came over, and the rest is history. I mean, I feel like it's kind of the story for the ages, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a classic romance. It's a Broadway musical in here <laughs> it's somewhere. A classic, classic romance. And I think it's sort of interesting um, that... Uh, I, I love the idea that it's not only just sort of a romantic ad, but it's also like... 
let's gather our resources together and huddle and hide away from the horrible disease. It's this very kind of weird mix of uh, Doomsday Prepper and... Doomsday Prepper. And <laughs> capital. Yeah, uh, yeah, P-R-E-P, Truvada, and... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think that I would ever do that. Um, but that's because you have me. That is because I have you, yes. Specifically. Um, but like I, you know, I don't know. I would. I absolutely. The first couple of weeks were weird being together all the time, and and tough being together all the time. I feel like we've kind of hit our groove now that we're. I don't know what you're talking. Kind of a month in, but. No, I wasn't like crippling depressed that first week and didn't say anything to you. Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, like I. But I, and I can't imagine trying to navigate not only like your regular normal human emotions. But also the 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 heightened emotions and the challenging emotions of this particular situation with a stranger, mm-hmm. because you don't know how terrible. Like, what if they don't? What if they leave dishes in the sink and shit? And what if they like? What if they're terrible in the bathroom and they they they, they make a mess in the bathroom and don't clean it up or or do like I can't relate. <laughs> I don't know what you're. I've never experienced. I've never done that. I've no. No, like, what if they do things that these this strange person that's now in your living space and they're doing things that you absolutely hate and you're literally stuck with them for a month, two months, three months. I don't know how long we're gonna be in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be terrible. I think um, what's also interesting is just to think about like that isn't that much different than like pre and even post-industrial revolution courting like it really isn't that much different than um what people used to do although now there's more of an emphasis on feelings and and all that stuff like people just kind of paired up because it made social sense and the idea of romance and love wasn't necessarily that was a thing that came if you were lucky um so like the pre-romance era that's just what courting was. And now it's just like, it seems strange and alien to us, but it was actually kind of where culture used to be. Um, so I think, I think there's just something really interesting in, in that idea. And I also think like, I don't know, that's kind of how we did it. Like, Oh, clocked. I mean, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> that's a little bit. We, we kind of were just like, we're just going to suddenly live with each other. And I was like, I'm going to go to Target and get all these decorations that are cute. And you're like, it's, it looks like we're living in a college dorm. And I'm like, <laughs> but it's cute and, and whimsical. And you hated it. And you made me get rid of those lights. And I was like, I'm so sad now. Okay. So backstory. <laughs> So it's not totally like that. Uh, Neil and I uh, lived rather far apart for the first, I guess, year and a half of our of our relationship. Neil lived in Omaha, and I was living in Tulsa, and kind of sometime in Louisiana at the time. So we were hours apart, and we had our relationship for the first chunk of it, not living in the same place. But it isn't like we didn't talk during that time. Sure. We, we would talk every night, and we would communicate. So we got to know each other. But we didn't know each other's like life. No, like, we did not. It was rhythms. A, it was a risk. It was a risk, Dr. Fochi. I mean, yeah. It was a risk. Uh-huh. And then then actually then whenever we first lived together, we moved we both moved to Connecticut from our separate places. So and we were like going into a new alien place with mm-hmm. this new alien per Well, I mean like it's not like I'd never met you either. Like we physically right. met much yeah. before we started dating. That's right. But like, yeah, it's like it's not too far removed. Um than what we're talking about. And I just feel like, you know, we, we were in this cultural moment even before 
before all of this happened where people just kind of create either legitimate intimate connections or what they perceive to be intimate connections at a much faster rate and i think that's partially because of the digital age partially because we are kind of socialized to connect and so if that doesn't happen naturally and organically we kind of get get to this point where we force it so i think like there's a lot of factors that kind of make this into a like it may seem strange from the outside but i think it's actually fairly logical like in, in some way shape or form i think there there's definitely some kind of logic that i can empathize with and, and understand where it's coming from even if and like honestly if i was single i'd probably be that bitch but i think how i would do it is i would do it in a different fashion where like it would be some person i've already been chatting with and i think that's a thing that the gays have unlock like we have all sorts of facebook friends that we've never necessarily physically met but we've chatted with for years and years and years like i would get on a flight to go to that guy and just be like hi i'm here like maybe with consent maybe i'd get consent first maybe i wouldn't just like show up in a random city but like that's kind of where i would be if i'm working remotely and i'm like kind of feeling lonely and want to be somewhere i'd be like hey person that i have like this weird sexual pseudo romantic connection with over the internet can i shack up with you for the next couple months because now i have like a reason to not exist in my current geography like that's how how i think and i'm i'm surprised that i haven't seen that like i feel like this would be an opportunity to do that especially if people are going as far as to do it with strangers i'm surprised i haven't seen it with people who actually know each other already oh well, I think that makes brings up a really interesting kind of like thing to talk about in terms of, of queer culture. The the facility, and you sort of mentioned it, but the facility that we have to establish relationships in digital spaces. That because, um, and I and I, I love that it's sort of it's um, it's embedded in the way queer people have had to congregate and make make connections and establish those things throughout kind of all of history. That it hasn't been. It hasn't been allowed really for queer people to create those connections in public, like in the light, like everyone else. And so in the beginning, we would sort of, we it would be back alleys and sort of dark places and underground clubs and hidden things. And then that evolved, I think, into- And even of, languages. And even languages, yeah. And then then evolving into, into more public queer spaces, like gay bars and things like that, where you, that was the place that you knew to go. But it wasn't like hidden. You weren't necessarily hiding necessarily. And and now evolving to digital space that we have claimed certain digital spaces and that's the place that we can congregate and we have this kind of built in facility to develop connections that feel real like we know how to build a relationship over a digital connection and that's why I, I side eye any critical article that tries to talk about like Tinder and eHarmony and all of that as like oh, like romance is dead. Modern romance is dead because we're doing these digital spaces. And it's like, okay, we've been there. Like that's not anything new and it's tired. And it's like, okay, like we get it. You think phone bad, phone bad. Okay, boomer. Like we get it. It's just any anything that's super hypercritical of that, I feel is like so tired. And so I'm not here for it. It brings up kind of the, a more serious avenue to sort of turn this discussion as fun as making fun of come on Segway. but there is there is kind of a more serious note to all of this that um i think is sort of valuable to talk about 
the Trevor Project did put out a report at the beginning of this, particularly when quarantines became more prevalent around around the country, to sort of uh, inform and warn communities about the unintended impacts of social distancing and quarantining and social social isolation on for this project specifically LGBTQ youth. But I think the the what they've come to resonates across boundaries too like it's not just youth that will experience these things but also maybe lgbtq elderly people who have uh very smaller non-existent familial networks or personal networks or people who are are just you know still isolated in their queerness so what they what they they have two major in unintended consequences of physical distancing i thought were very interesting one of them uh for for youth they uh, describe it as um having additional unintended negative consequences related to being confined to an environment that may be supportive or abusive mm-hmm. um that so there are people who are you know, social distancing, they're living with their parents and maybe haven't come out or have come out but still live under the roof of an unsupportive parent or an unsupportive um, roommate or whatever. And that they are now stuck in these situations that are that cut them off from their support networks. Um, the other is that uh, physical distancing is creating a loss of the social connections that pre- protect LGBTQ people from suicidality uh, that the that so many LGBTQ people struggle with um, with mental health issues and but also just the challenge of sort of accepting yourself and still still sort of owning your queerness that the social social isolation and social distancing has cut people off from their physical networks out in the world that keep them for that keep them here basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought that there was a, a really important thing to be thinking about. It reminds me of, um, let me try that again. <laughs> no producer. Um, okay. It reminds me of how I, I saw this video the other day and it was Lady Gaga and she was being really critical of this movement that especially celebrities are kind of pushing this all this idea that we're all in this together and she was like actually no we're not all in this together what about um people who are experiencing domestic violence and are now stuck with their um with with their perpetrator and can't actually go anywhere like even more so now they're even more trapped because they're not even going to work every day um, or anything like that. Like that is a very different reality. On top of that, we think like I remember not even remember this. This is currently happening. Anytime I go out, because I'm the one who goes out for groceries and things like that, I go out into the world for that. Um, because I have the time to do it, um, and and I'm totally guilty of this too. People are afraid of each other in a really strange manner. Where like. I try to keep my distance to make people feel comfortable, but at the same time, I recognize I'm doing that for my own comfort. Like, like people are scared to be close to each other now. And I mean, rightfully so. That is how contagions pass. But it, it is, you know, early into the, the social distancing practicing, it was, it was, there was a lot of, let's not consider social distancing. We should actually be socially close, but be physically distant. Um, and focusing on language to, to make it so that we're not actually socially distant, we're actually just physically distant, but we're otherwise still connecting with each other. Like, 
I, before I was wearing a mask every time I went out in public, I would rarely smile at people. I mean, I would rarely smile at people in general, but like just having, connecting with people, I don't, there's something weirdly dehumanizing about how we're treating each other in public right now. And I don't know what to do about it because I feel like it's a very, it's a survivor impulse. It, it is just me and us as a human, as a society just trying to survive. Um, and so by kind of weirdly passively treating any other person as an enemy, like that's just how we're going to survive this moment. Um, but it's really strange. And and I feel like, you know, you mentioned earlier how this very specific Trevor Project um, report can be very easily um, recognized to a larger world. I think, I think that's absolutely true. Like this is a very hyper-focused thing, but I think it's so universal. I feel like everybody's feeling this. And I think there's also something even more psychologically impactful on essential workers who, um, who can't, um, experience um, social distancing the same way we do. Like they can't work from home. They have to be working in the grocery stores or, or in health clinics and hospitals and things like that. Like there's a further implication there that like I, I'm, I'm experiencing a certain psychological effect of dehumanizing others. Um, I cannot imagine what they experience because I can't believe, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in the world right now and still having to work as if nothing is different except maybe you're wearing a thing you're wearing a mask now i think it's i think the important takeaway in that is is the notion that in the world before we were we were very hyper vigilant or some of us were hyper vigilant or encourage we're encouraging people to be um about how different people in experience the world in different ways and i hate to like toss out the word intersectionality but like that is in spirit what i'm talking about that we 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 don't all experience the world the same way and the unique combination of our individual experiences and the way our our identities are treated in the world create a unique situation for every person and there isn't really a way that everybody we don't, we're never all in it together because that's just not how this works I think it's an important takeaway to remember that in this particular moment, um, this particular experience, while it feels like we are all having the same thing happen to us, we're really not. Um, it is it is important to remain thoughtful about how someone whose experience differs from yours and someone whose experience uh, has a different, uh, they're living in different contexts and they're living under different circumstances would experience this very differently. I consider us very lucky to be experiencing it the way that we are. Uh, I have not been uh, let go or furloughed. And so we we live very similarly. I mean, the only difference is just that we don't go out. And that is an immense privilege to be under at this particular moment. We're not alone. We've, we've got a house that, that is comfortable for us. We, we're enormously lucky. And and it I, still sucks. And it's like still, it still right, sucks. It still sucks. And so I think it's it's this is like a really great moment to be thinking about how you are actually interacting with the world, especially digitally. Um, a lot of people, and, and in this particular case, LGBTQ people, may be turning to things like Twitter or Instagram or Scruff or Grinder or Growler as a way to reconnect to the world in a way that they used to in used to before, and to to provide them that support. They're looking for that space. So like the guy on Scruff may who's asking for a quarantine hookup, he may be an asshole. I mean, that's a real he may just be kind of a hoe. He may be a thought. 
but he also may be somebody that is really looking for some kind of connection because they are isolated in a way that's really challenging for them. Well, and I would and, argue lots of people do that mm-hmm. regardless yes. of, of isolation. Like gay loneliness, queer loneliness is a thing before all of this. Yeah. And I'm and only worse now. Mm-hmm. And I think it gives us it may, puts a um, it gives us an opportunity to be thoughtful about how we connect and reach out in digital spaces too, like. Yeah, I've had guys who have who have been like, "Hey, you want to come over cuz I'm real horny cuz I've been stuck in my house or whatever." Um, yeah, that has happened and I kind of roll my eyes. I'm like, "Man, come on, it's a quarantine. I'm not going to do that." But I'm also noticing people sort of screenshotting those conversations and ridiculing those people online and being like, "Can you believe this asshole?" Like I think there's a degree a degree to not do that. You know, like maybe that's not the best thing. Maybe what you're doing is just kind of reinforcing a negative way for people to interact in an online space. Mm-hmm. Be gentle whenever you're dealing with people who are going through a really tough thing. And not just going through a really tough thing, but going through a really tough thing through a tough experience to begin with. Mm-hmm. And just being thoughtful about that is probably the best way to be a good human right now. Yeah. So Hopefully we'll do more of these now that we're 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 back in the groove and back what kind of groove I'm not gonna believe we're back in a groove until we've actually made more than two, mm-hmm. um, but hopefully we'll be making some more for you um, as always if you're listening to this podcast episode after many 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 moons of not having one thanks for being a supporter of bearded fruit thanks for not deleting us from your feed yeah and like and for continuing to to stick around with us in our very sporadic podcast making we really appreciate it as always um in this time, it'd be great to hear from people who listen to the podcast. You can find us in various places. Uh, you can find me most often on Twitter because that's my that's my online solace at C That's where you can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find Neil on Twitter at Neil makes things. I'm just on brand. Everything is Neil makes things. So reach out. If you're listening to this episode, reach out. Let us know how you're doing. Let us know what you're doing in quarantine. And uh, just say hi. We'd love to connect with you all. As always, we really thank you for supporting the podcast. Uh, If you like what you're listening to, share it with your networks. And uh, hopefully quarantine for you is, is a safe and healthy and supported place. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.